You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans. I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist. And this is 2024, and it's episode 91 of the Always Moto podcast. We are back for 2024, people. We are brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. Thanks for joining us on our opening show of the 2024 season. This is going to be a massive year in 2024 for the Always Moto podcast and the, all of the Always Moto productions that you will find on the YouTube channel, your favorite podcast player, the social media apps, all that sort of stuff. So check it out. Make sure you share it to a friend. Make sure you get them checking it out as well. We've got plenty of content coming your way in 2024. But this is the Always Moto Podcast. We are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. We've been doing it for years now. We're doing it for years again, heading forward, because apparently that's what physios do. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto, particularly the injuries in our sport, because hashtag injuries are a part of moto. This week's show, we are looking ahead to the season opener of the Super Motocross Series from Anaheim. It's Anaheim 1 this Saturday. Woo! Haven't been to an Anaheim 1 in a few years, but I'd love the feeling of an Anaheim 1. I wish I could be there. I'm not going to be there. But we will be looking ahead at what's going to happen there at Anaheim. We're going to go through all the injuries that we know about preseason, the guys that are coming back from injuries, how's those recoveries have gone, what we expect out of them, some other bits and pieces that we've got along the way. We've been checking in with some teams. We've got some deep contacts this year. Uh, we've been talking to some of the different people. We can't release all those sources because that would be unfair to the people that have given us some info and said you know you didn't hear it from me but that's how this this that's how this thing works but we've got the info we're going to talk about it a little bit here as we get through we're also going to compare something this year at the start of this season we it's talked about widely that the 2005 season was the most stacked field ever we're going to see how that field stacks up against the 2024 field and if you haven't checked out our youtube video on this matter We've got a little shorter version of it on the YouTube channel, um, but we're going to have it here later in the podcast as well. And hopefully, now we're recording this thing, as always, recording this thing in a bit of a disjointed manner. Um, I was meant to talk to TJ Albright today, but unfortunately, his flight from the East Coast to the West Coast there in California for this weekend's race was cancelled, delayed, whatever it was. Um, He had some issues with suspension. We're hopefully catching up with him tomorrow. Um, So I'm recording the intros and all that stuff before I've got that. So hopefully we'll check in with him. If we don't, we'll definitely have him on another show here very shortly. Uh, But hopefully we'll be talking to TJ Albright on this show about his uh, West Coast 250 attempt this year uh, and how he's going with all of that and how the body is after some injuries last year. So we'll check in with TJ and get that info straight from him. 
But hey, Moto fans, this episode, as always, is brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style. From head to toe, Lee at Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armor, and more. Ride with confidence knowing you're backed by design, by gear designed by riders for riders. Lee at Moto Australia has cutting-edge technology that pushes boundaries in rider safety. Don't compromise on your safety and comfort. Choose Lee to stay safe, ride fierce, and embrace the thrill. Head over to liat.com.au and gear up for your next ride. Now, do you need something new in the foot peg department that maybe they're wider, stronger, and a bit more functional than what you're used to for your normal foot pegs? You need pivot pegs. In 2024, Pivot Pegs has partnered with with Always Moto. Uh, I've used Pivot Pegs since 2007, and hopefully now you will too. Pivot pegs are super wide. They have a pivoting action that helps you move around on the bike that reduce the wear of your boot soles and improve your leg positioning throughout your ride. You should get yourself a set of pivot pegs, people. Check them out at pivotpegswithaz.com. All right, and don't forget, we've always got these guys on board. They're back in 2024. Competitive Edge Performance, are you looking to take your strength and conditioning to the next level? You need Competitive Edge Performance. They're the go-to provider of those programs, sports nutrition and on-bike coaching for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered. They offer in-person sessions and top online programs as well that are accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Get yourself fitter and stronger join competitive edge performance today always motor podcast listeners can get 50 percent off your first month on their training app using the code comp edge coach that's c-o-m-p-e-d-g-e-c-o-a-c-h all in capital letters and don't forget slant board guy and endurance recovery boots we've got those affiliate deals in place with them you can get discounts off their products there and help support always moto um, check them out go to our um, use our code there always moto in lowercase to check out with both slant board guy and endurance recovery boots and you will save tech 167 that 3d printing company do you need something cool for that for your bike a funnel that screws straight into the oil filler cap maybe they work super well we've been using ours for over 12 months now about around right on 12 months i think it is actually um no issues whatsoever the product is solid you should get yourself one contact the guys there at tech 167 and mention always moto and get a check and get a saving when you check out with them um, as always, we need your support direct. We want to get to a few more races here in 2024. We have our Always Moto t-shirts. Are, they are available. They are $25 plus postage and handling. Get a, get a uh, shirt, rock it at the races, uh, and you know just support the show. Email us at info at alwaysmoto.com. Put t-shirt order in the subject line, and we'll set up the payment there via PayPal. Now, speaking of PayPal, maybe you're too sexy for your shirt, and you don't want a shirt. Maybe you just want to support the show, you can send a donation via PayPal as well. Um, to find out how to do that and to find all those supporters of the Always Motor Podcast show, make sure you check out the show notes or the link in our bio and that will get you straight to those people and you'll be able to support the show and keep this thing on the rails. Now, enough of this intro talk. Let's get straight into the show. I'm Kyle Greeson and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, Moto fans, thanks for being here on the Always Moto podcast. Let's get into this thing. It's 2024. I can't believe it. Anaheim 1 is this weekend. It's days away, people. Days. It's been weeks for a while now, but we're down to the days. It's almost here. I can't believe we're heading heading into another another season here for the Super Motocross. Uh, Anaheim 1 this weekend, the traditional starting place of the Supercross series. Anaheim One is a very special venue. Um, I've been to a couple of, oh, a couple. Of, I've been to Anaheim a couple of times. I think I've only been to an Anaheim One 
once, if I recall correctly here, which was 2010, uh, the year that Dungey uh, almost won in the rookie race there for him, in his rookie season, I should say, not his first race in the 450 class, but his, he ran ran basically out front that whole time and then got run down by James Stewart. That was the night that Chad Reed went out with a broken front wheel. It was the night that Dan Reardon went launching over a berm after the whoop section. It was a very awesome night. The hype that is in the pits at an A1 is unlike any other event other than when they were at Vegas for the finale, uh, which I've also been to, and that was just next-level pits uh, at that venue. But A1 is just, there's hype at A1. You don't know what's going to happen. Everybody's excited. Everybody wants to see what's new. And I think that's the exciting part for the fans and what makes this event you know, so special is the fact that everybody's on you know, not, maybe not necessarily a new bike, but they're on new color schemes. The graphics are different. The gear's different. The numbers are different. Um, the personnel on teams are sometimes different in terms of mechanics, the riders, you know, the team managers. There's lots of things that are brand new at A1, so it's all flashy and shiny. It's like you've just opened your first Christmas present. You don't know what you're getting. You just can't wait to get that wrapping paper off. That's what A1 is. Uh, it's a super, super awesome event to be at. If you ever get the chance to be there, Go ahead and do it. I highly recommend it. Now, for those of you who aren't lucky enough to be there in person, for us international viewers, you should stop asking, like I see all these people on these Facebook groups and whatnot, asking what's the best way to watch and, you know, can I get a code to save on something and can I get a mate to VPN it and, you know, bootleg a download or a stream somewhere. Stop being dickheads. Just get yourself the Super Motocross Video Pass. I did it last year um, because that was one in mean, the year before, I think, actually, as well. Those were the first years that we couldn't get it on, like, KO or on Foxtel here in Australia. And as much as we had our dramas with it, we had Doris turning up out of the blue um, at the beginning of last year. We had some things cut in and out. We've had sound missing at times. It's the only way to watch everything from an international viewer's point of view. Yes, it's a little bit pricey. It's up in that 120, 130, depending on the conversion rates and all that sort of shit. But it's if you're a Supercross fan and you're listening to this, you must be a Supercross fan. It's the best way to watch it. Just get it, pay for it. You get all of the racing all year. You get all the motocross. You get all the super motocross. You get all the race day lives. You get access to the past seasons. You get the pre, the weekly super motocross insider stuff, which you can watch on YouTube, but you can watch it through there. It's the only way you should be doing it. Um, check it out. If you haven't headed over to Super Motocross Video Pass and signed up, you should do it. I, I highly recommend that that's the best way to watch the Supercross. It's just consistent. You don't have to worry about where it's coming from or how you're getting it. It's just there. It shows up. Away you go. Now, in 2024, unfortunately, from the Always Moto side of things with the Fantasy Leagues, we don't have a Pulp MX Fantasy League because of the changes that Pulp MX has had to do to their fantasy game, which I completely understand, by the way. Um, we are unable to be a part of that in 2024 as international players, and we so we can't run our league there. But what we have done is we've got a league, a little league going over on Rocky Mountain. Um, if you want to search Always Moto and join there, you can. There is a password needed, so you will need to DM me to get that, uh, but we can get you in on that. We haven't organized anything in terms of prizes as such this year at this stage because we didn't know what was happening with the pulp thing. 
we usually wait until we see that that's been announced and sign-ups happening and then we can get people on board um, because we obviously want to make sure that it's all going ahead and I'm glad we did this year because we would have been in a bit of a pickle if we had have gone ahead uh, before that came out because of the changes that have come up. So there is that. We'll get to that. If we get enough people in there, we might uh, try and get some people back on board to do that as well. And thank you to those people that supported it last year and the year before. Um, and if you want to play in that league, like I said, search always moto on Rocky Mountain. You'll find us. We'll get the password to you by DM uh, and away we go. Now, I'm going to quickly touch on something here from championship pick side of things just so we can cover that here at the start and we can review how badly I am off at the end of the season. Uh, but these are the people that I'm feeling are in the chance for this championship heading into the season here without anything other than last year to go off. Uh, in the 450 class, I just can't go past Jet Lawrence. I know he's a rookie in Supercross, but his form in motocross, his form in super motocross... His past form and his just ability to ride a motorcycle, I think he figures it out in his first season and joins the likes of Ryan Dungey, Jeremy McGrath uh, as rookies who won a Supercross title. Um, it would be a quite a story if he does. I don't expect him to obviously do what he did in motocross and just wipe the floor with everybody, go undefeated. But I feel that over the course of 17 rounds, he's going to get a lot better quickly and figure it out really really well and i just i can't see how guys like cooper webb on a new bike and potentially not the same cooper webb that he's been in the past how he competes chase sexton on a kdm maybe by the end of the season he's got it worked out but i think that he's not going to be there to begin with um, in terms of raw speed and ability to do that raw speed lap for 20 minutes Eli Tomac is just a question mark for me with that recovery from injury and how motivated he is and whether he will actually have that same speed that he's had in the past. Um, Ken Roxon, Suzuki, nothing against Suzuki. I love Suzuki, but just the fact that will he turn up with an electric start on it like there was rumors that he might be doing? Will his health hang out there? Will he be able to get through all 17 rounds? There's just a few of those other guys there that, yes, they're capable. Are they capable of doing what Jet has been able to do in recent years? Um, now being on a 450, I just think he's going to learn so quickly and adapt and just be better than them over the course of 17 rounds. Now, obviously, in, in my area of all this, the injury side of things, it can throw a spanner in the works for any one of these guys, and that could happen with Jet. Ideally, that doesn't. But that is, like we say, injuries are a part of moto. It is a possibility that that could throw all of this out of whack. But at this point, knowing what I know right now, I'm going with Jet Lawrence for the 450. On the West Coast, we'll get to the East when they kick off in a couple of weeks. But on the West Coast, there are some interesting names heading to that start line. There's RJ Hampshire, there's Nate Thrasher, there's Jordan Smith, there's Levi Kitchen, there's Maximus Volan, um, Joe Shimoda, there's a bunch of guys that are heading to that start gate um, with credentials behind them, but not potentially the same as we've had in the past few seasons with the likes of Hunter and Jet Lawrence. We don't have any Christian Craigs or, uh, there's, you know, there's no Shane McElrath. There's no Chase Sextons as such that have been there and won titles before. It's a very much an open field here in the 250 West Coast. Um, yes, RJ Hampshire is a bit of a veteran, um, but he's only just started sort of figuring out consistency in Supercross as well. So 
It's an interesting pick here to see who would be the title winner. Now, for me, after last season with RJ Hampshire going through a bit more consistently, yes, he had a big moment at Anaheim too, but he basically got second to Jet Lawrence at every single round, um, bar one or two, I think it was. So RJ Hampshire is going to be my pick. Joe Shimoda is a question mark on that new Honda. How will he vibe with it straight away? Will he be his usual slow start to a season and then catch his fire by the end? I expect similar. Nate Thrasher is is an interesting one, but uh, how he is post-injuries, like obviously he's been back on the bike for a little while now, uh, but it's been, he had the ACL, he had the dislocated hip, he had a shoulder or collarbone. I'll have to check the notes there on that one, but he had those three things that he had to get fixed there from his crash through East Coast last year. So whether he's fully fit and up to speed, maybe it'll take him a round or two to get that speed and confidence back. You know, so that's a question mark. Levi Kitchen on the new bike, Maximus Volan on the new bike over there at Pro Circuit Kawasaki for both those guys. Will their problems that they've had with their other teams just be there with the Pro Circuit guys or will they be completely new guys? We'll have to wait and see. So based on the information I've got, I'm going with RJ Hampshire. Should be interesting, but to watch that coast at least for the first couple of rounds while everything settles into place. Uh, and see who takes the ascendancy moving to the midway and the end of the season. And particularly when we do get to that East-West showdown and how they then, you know, challenge those East Coast guys and whether whether they are able to fight off guys like Hayden Deegan, uh, who's going to be over there on the East Coast. We'll have to see how that goes. All right, that's enough of that little bit of that intro look ahead to Anaheim 1. Let's take a quick break here. We're going to come back. We've got heaps to go through in terms of the preseason injury recap and things to come into the season with in terms of people who had injuries last year that are still returning to recovery side of things uh, and getting back to full fitness and whatnot. So we've got a bit to go through. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more. Hi there, my name is Eldon Baker and I'm from the Baker's Factory. And you're listening to Always Moto. All right, guys and girls, welcome back to the Always Moto podcast. We are now on the YouTube channel as well. And if you're not watching, you should be listening and listening and watching whichever. I think I got that around backwards. But you know what I'm talking about. If you're not doing one, you should be doing the other. And if you should be subscribed on both is the point we're making here. Now, let's get into this emergency department ahead of A1, Anaheim 1, 2024, Super Motocross. It's here, ready to go. Who's injured? Who's coming back? Let's get you that information right now. Brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. Let's hit the emergency department drop and let's run through it. The emergency department. All the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on. I say it every time. It's no different in 2024. You do not want to be on this list, particularly before the first round of the season. But There are people already on the list. We're going to go through them. We're going to go through a few other things of note, who's making returns. It's not a comprehensive list because obviously heading into A1, we don't get all the same information, the same coverage, the same contacts. So take it a little bit of a grain of salt because we might have missed a couple here. We're going to build on that. So stay with us, subscribe. You'll see the the videos in the future weeks and we'll catch up on those because some of this stuff will come to light at A1 press conference. Um, interviews post-race, et cetera, that they've had issues leading in and that'll make more sense and we'll add to our list as we go. We're the only one tracking this sort of information from an injury point of view, so make sure you stay with Always Moto Podcast. All right, things to note. Let's start there. One, Jorge Prado is coming over 
for AMA Supercross. He's doing the opening three rounds, but he was on social media promoting that he's now got a hyperbaric chamber at his house in the US there. What is a hyperbaric chamber? It is basically a little shell that you jump yourself into, you zip yourself in or you shut yourself in, depending on what type. It might be a little tent version that you've got at home. It might be a nice big container that you get in at a you know facility. But basically it, it, it gives you a high concentration of oxygen into that area that you can breathe in. So you can actually get more oxygen into your lungs and utilize it quicker. It helps with recovery. So Obviously, Prado is trying to aid his recovery while he's learning Supercross. Maybe he's had a couple of bumps and bruises along the way, but it does help with tissue regeneration. It does help promote things like stem cells and growth hormones and all that stuff to be released. And that then encourages your body to recover quicker, rebuild, repair, all that sort of stuff. So it's not a super duper thing. It's one of those extra pieces of equipment that you can utilize to try and improve your recovery. Is it completely effective? It's shown in research to be useful for everybody. It's not, you know, it might be good for some, it might be better for others. He's given it a crack. He's obviously a high-level athlete. He's trying to encourage his recovery as best he can. He's using a hyperbaric chamber. So it's something I thought we'd bring up here at the start. One, also to point out that Jorge Prado is doing Supercross in the AMA, uh, but also about that hyperbaric chamber. Now, out following injuries that we know about preseason so far, uh, Richard Taylor, privateer, is out. He's managed to break his femur and his kneecap. He's having issues with that, and, but he is <clears throat> had surgery. He'll be on the recovery path. When he'll be back, it's unknown at this stage. We'll check in with Richard in the next few weeks and see how that recovery is going, but he is out for A1. Grant Harlan is out for A1, but he is back on the bike as of a week or so ago. That is from his pelvis, pelvic fracture that he sustained in France at the MX of Nations, but he is back on the bike. He is expecting to be back in around four weeks or so from now. We have checked in with Grant. He's on the recovery path there. He did sort of mention a couple of races that would be ideal, but he's going to obviously take it step by step and see how his fitness returns as his recovery continues to go along. Jonah Geisler, privateer, was going to ride 450s this year for the Supercross Series, managed to get two broken arms, a wrist and an elbow along the way, uh, and a finger or so. He is out. He will be on the recovery path. He's had surgery on both. He'll be towards the end of that point where he'll be almost back on the bike too. We'll have to check in with Jonah to see where his details are up to for his recovery, but he will be back as soon as he possibly can be, which will probably be somewhere later in January. We'll see how that goes. Chris Prebula had a big one in a practice track uh, in California. He is out with multiple injuries, a few spinal issues along the way there for Chris. We have spoken to him originally at the injury point. We haven't checked in with him recently, but he'll be out for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. Dylan Swartz is on the injury list. We're not completely sure of how all those details are. It's a bit hard to get them direct from Barex. We have reached out. We got initial contact with them, but they wouldn't pass on any other information but he will be likely be back in a few weeks. He'll probably miss those few rounds initially of the West Coast. We'll see how that plays out for Dylan. Leo Tucker is on the list as well. Um, unfortunately, again, not too many details there from Leo's side of things. Uh, we'll bring that back up in future episodes. We've had some word from some insiders here. Now, we can't reveal those sources, but we've had some injuries at the Star Racing 
compounds uh, or the list of the star racing Yamaha team riders and that might be why some of these guys aren't heading to the West Coast to commence their 2024 season. Styles Robinson, Nick Romano might be two names that might not, won't be at that opening round because of some injuries that have been dealing with over the preseason. No details as such on both of them. Styles, we believe, is a wrist, um, and Nick, we believe, is a shoulder. We believe he's already been back on the bike. Again, Source was limited on information, but we got some out of him. But what we could draw some conclusions from, and these are my own conclusions at this point with Nick, is that he had a potentially an AC joint, which is that shoulder blade, um, shoulder injury where the collarbone meets the shoulder blade, that ligament that sits there and holds that down. And I'm tapping that behind my microphone. If anyone's wondering, watching on the uh, on the YouTube, and if you're not watching YouTube, well, you're missing out on my little hand gestures as we're going along. Um, so that AC joint usually is only a couple of week recovery and he's back and ready to go. Um, so he would probably be getting ready to be at East Coast. Styles might miss a bit longer. We'll have to see once we get a bit more information. I'm hoping that once we get to this A1 round, like I mentioned before, some information will become a bit more freely available. Um, so we'll see how that all comes out. Time Masterpool, as we've updated, everyone was a little bit slow on this one. They put out the HBI team, put out the release, but nobody popped the information up. We did. That's why we do. That's what we do here at Always Moto is the injury updates. We checked in with Matt Bell, the team owner there as well. Ty had obviously that appendix issue through the super motocross side of things that he rode through. He's had that removed, but at the same time that he had that removed because he was going to be off for a while, he had some work done to an ankle injury they've been giving him grief. Now, I checked in with Matt because I thought it might be linked to an injury that he had with his lower leg in 2020. Matt confirmed that it wasn't the case. There's actually another issue that he's had since then that's a bit more of an overuse injury. Now, overuse in the ankle tends to be like tendonitis, those sorts of tendinopathy issues. Maybe there was a stress fracture. Um, so details weren't completely confirmed there from Matt as to what it was, but it was an overuse injury. But they're expecting to have him back in a few weeks, hopefully by the end. He mentioned San Diego, so that's sort of the end of the month. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But we're going to try and check in with Matt Bell here on the Always Moto um podcast here in a couple of weeks probably around that time that ty is going to be coming back so we could be able to get some more info on it then pro circuit kawasaki interestingly put out max voland and levi kitchen onto the west coast and that's probably because cameron mcadoo is not ready to be racing at this point again another potential ac joint injury here that shoulder issue which we don't have details on this is all speculation from always moto here at this point depending on what side it was because Cameron McAdoo was coming back from a shoulder injury from last year where he had to have a repair done to his whole shoulder. Uh, if it's on the same side, that's not great. And that might take a little bit longer. Will he be ready for East coast? I'm sure that's what they're pushing for. He's got four weeks. We'll see how that plays out. The last one on the list is potentially going to miss Anaheim one. We've been talking to him. He's our Aussie guy that's coming over. He's going to be on team PRMX Kawasaki. It's Aaron Tanti. Now, Aaron had a major injury in the World Supercross in Abu Dhabi. He didn't get to race Newcastle Australian Supercross. He didn't get to race the final Australian and World Supercross rounds in Melbourne at the end of the year. He was able, he was stuck in Abu Dhabi for a few weeks there because he wasn't able to fly from all the rib fractures and lung issues. 
Those are reportedly okay, but he's getting some investigations done on some other issues that he's been having that's prevented him from riding. He is in the States. He has ridden a bike twice, but that's it. He's not sure he's going to be able to ride Anaheim 1. He's getting some checks done this week. At the time of recording, he wasn't sure if he's riding or not. So we'll have to wait and see what happens if he rolls out there for A1. It's kind of looking like he won't, but we're not 100% sure at this stage. And again, Aaron is someone we're going to check in with. We've already lined him up, hopefully for next week. So maybe you'll be hearing his voice on the Always Moto podcast next week. We'll have to wait and see. All right, so they're the injuries that we know about at this point in time. Like I said, we had some information there. Uh, we sort of teased at it from uh, some of the group chats that we've got going. Now, the other side of things, some making some returns. Um, and if you don't recall, but Eli Tomac will be back this week. It'll be his first race back since that Achilles injury at that second last round there in Denver Supercross. How will Eli Tomac go? Not sure. I did have an interesting bit of a tweet there with on X, Twitter, call it Twitter, whatever, um, about would what would ha- what would be the reason um, Eli Tomac might not win a race in 2024? And would it be age? Would it be injury recovery? Would it be his fitness? Would it be um, something else? Uh, completely hypothetical, but there is the chance that this year might be the time that he doesn't win another race. Um, he's getting up there in age. He does have that injury to return from. Now, the Achilles is a major injury. I don't care who or what you are or what sport you play. Achilles is a major injury. Yes, we don't have the same impact and loading aspects in a repeated sense and a directional change as, say, NFL, NRL, soccer, etc. But the force in a singular motion as a, at the point like what he, how he tore it in the first place, is extremely high for Moto. Will he be running some ankle saver pegs? I don't know. That was something interesting in World Supercross in Melbourne. Vince Freeze had an Achilles injury last year. Um, and three out of the four bikes for Moto Concepts in World Supercross were running ankle saver foot pegs because of the Vince Freeze injury to his Achilles. Will Tomac be doing something similar? I'd love to see some spy picks of his pegs at A1 to see if that is the case or not. But there's a big question mark over how he will go across the season in 2024. But he will be back in action at A1, which is awesome to see. Another one making his first ride back for quite a long time. He rode two rounds of Supercross in 2023. It's Malcolm Stewart. He's going to be back from that knee injury. He tore basically every ligament in his knee and had to get it repaired, which is a major job. He's been out for quite some time, but he is apparently back on the bike and flying at the test tracks as all reports. So will he be uh, flying at A1? We'll have to wait and see, but he is back from that knee injury. Ideally, he can get a season, a full season in again and finally get through the motocross season would be, would be an awesome one. Uh, he only got a few rounds last year because he had an injury at the end of Supercross. He is meant to be on that Husky team for motocross and Supercross. It just hasn't worked out that way so far since that deal was signed. But he's back for Supercross this weekend. Justin Barsha will be another one making a return. He had those issues uh, at the end of the Super Motocross. He crashed whilst he, uh, just after he took that lead in the final and one of the races there at the LA Coliseum. He will be back in action, how his recovery and return will be going. He's not very public on his training and recovery processes. He does do some other promotional things, but nothing about his injury and and return. But I dare say he'll be fine by the time he's at A1. Will he be in that winning form that he usually is for A1? Probably. We'll have to wait and see. But um, 
Christian Craig, sort of a return. It, he did ride MX of Nations, but just remember, he, this will be his first Supercross race back in the AMA side of things since his injuries where he dislocated a hip and broke an elbow and now doesn't have a radial head in that elbow. But MX of Nations was a reasonable run for him. He should be well and truly up to speed and up to fitness heading to A1 this weekend. And an interesting one, I was checking through the entry list for A1. That entry list, one interesting part is that it's incomplete. There's plenty of people missing from that entry list in the 450 class that I noticed. Um, so good on your AMA. Maybe the people haven't entered yet. I don't know. But it's, if they put out an entry list at this point, you would think that those guys like Jason Anderson, like uh, – who else did I have on there? Um, Chase Sexton wasn't on there. That you'd think those guys would be entered by now. But anyway, they weren't on there. But somebody who was on there and surprised me that he was on there, Kyle Greeson, the privateer who had a massive injury before preseason in the preseason last year with a uh, lumbar fracture that took a lot of time to heal um, because of the type of fracture it was. It was a bit more of a wedge compression fracture. Uh, he's back. He's heading to A1. I checked in with him afterwards. He says he's all good. We're going to probably check in with him in a week or two as well to see how his season is going. Um, but awesome to see that Kyle's recovery has finally got to a point that he could be, one, be back on a bike, but two, competitive again. So that's awesome to see. All right, that is our emergency department for the opening round at Anaheim 1. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and you'll be able to keep up to date with all things Always Moto and all the injuries in our sport in the AMA 2024 season as the Super Motocross progresses throughout the year. All right, that's the end of the YouTube video. We're going to take a quick break on the Always Moto podcast. We'll be back with more. This is Derek Kelly and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast. And as per usual, I managed to leave out a name that I knew was already on the emergency department list, and I just forgot to write it in the right segment. But we're catching up with it now. That's Derek Kelly. He had that arm fracture. Um, he should be back on the bike very, very soon here with the AEO Power Sports KTM, but he will be missing from A1. Um, so yeah, just another addition to that list there for the emergency department. So if you haven't watched the YouTube channel or if you watch the YouTube channel, um, you're going to miss out on that. So that's why you need to watch and listen to both podcast and YouTube channel. But anyway, Derek Kelly also on that list. All right, let's get into this comparison that we talked about from the most stacked field ever in 2005, as you know, most people report that or they, you know, Proclaim that to be the most stacked field ever. Um, David Villeman being a part of that field, he's one of those proponents to being that field being the most stacked ever. Um, but I'm going to do a comparison here and see what you think and we'll, I will give you my opinion obviously at the end as to whether 2024 stands up to or is in fact more stacked than 2005. Now I did a comparison of the riders in the field, the number of riders that had a championship and the number of those total championships in that field. So a combined total of all the riders and all their championships from 2005 versus 2024. Now, we included things like World Supercross because obviously David Villeman had a World Supercross title back in 99, and he was in that 2005 field. We included all AMA titles. So that's lights titles, you know, West Coast, East Coast, motocross super 250 450 supercross motocross super motocross as well um obviously now that being involved as of last year for these 2024 guys so 
we added them all together. Now, in 2005, obviously the part that makes that field look so prestigious is the big five that were all on the gate for basically one of the only times they were when they went to the start at A1 for 2005. And we're only talking 2005, like opening rounds here as the start of the field, not once the field's depleted from injuries throughout the season, only the opening round as they headed to the gate. So those big five in 2005, Jeremy McGrath, Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart, Chad Reed, Travis Pastrana. Those five guys draw a lot of attention over the years. They are obviously looked at as some of the big names in the sport. Um, obviously, James, um, Jeremy McGrath, Ricky Carmichael, James Stewart. Um, until recently, Chad Reed was in that top five of most race wins ever. Travis Pastrana obviously just being Travis Pastrana and a crowd favourite, but also having a couple of titles in those one two five classes as well and being predicted to be one of the best. Obviously, injuries got the better of that and he became what he has become in the world of freestyle, rally, you know, Jim Carner, all that sort of stuff since then. But at that time, he was still viewed quite highly. But those were the big five draw cards. Now, there are five, five, six other guys in that uh, 2005 class that had titles. So in total, we had 11 guys in 2005 that had titles in that categories that we talked about. That So we have Jeremy McGrath, Ricky Carmichael, Mike LaRocco, Kevin Windham, uh, Tim Ferry, Damon Huffman, Chad Reed, Ernesto Fonseca, Sebastian Tortelli, Pastrana, and David Villeman. Those are the 11 guys. Now, those 11 guys combined for a total of 36 titles. Now, LaRocco had one that was a 500 MX title. We included that because we like 500 two-strokes over here. Um and obviously, Sebastian Tortelli had a World Motocross Championship in there as well. So, 36 titles, 11 guys. How does 2024 compare? Well, it's actually quite interesting. There are 18 guys in 2024 that have a title, whether that's a World Supercross whether that's a world motocross, a lights title, lights supercross title, lights motocross title, motocross, super motocross, etc. 18 guys. So that's Cooper Webb, Eli Tomac, Adam Cincerulo, Dylan Fernandez, um, Jet Lawrence, Malcolm Stewart, Christian Craig, Justin Cooper, Justin Hill, Justin Barsha, Ken Roxon, Hunter Lawrence, Colt Nichols, Jorge Prado, Chase Sexton, Jason Anderson, Aaron Plessinger. That is 18 guys. Now, as you should be aware, a main event field has 22 gates. If 18 of those gates are filled with guys who previously have titles, that is space for four other guys. That's a pretty stacked field. Now, how many of titles have these guys combined for? A total of 46 titles have been won from those 18 guys. That is a lot of power on the gate with these guys. So I think from that angle it's alone, 2024 is the most stacked field ever. Yes, there's other comparisons you can make. How many race wins, how many people won races were on the gate, etc. But from that view of the titles alone... 2024 is the most stacked field ever.
What do you think of that? Let me hear your thoughts. I want to hear those thoughts on that one in the comments, in the DMs, on the f- on Facebook, socials, all that sort of stuff. Send me a DM. Let me know what you think of that comparison. Um, and look, we'll take a break here on the Always Motor Podcast, but I want to hear your thoughts on that one. We'll be back here shortly. We'll be back hopefully with, because like I said, we record these things out of order. We're hoping to get tomorrow, um, which will be next up here on the show if he's available, TJ Albright um, to check in about his start to the season here for Anaheim 1 on the West Coast 250s. Hey guys, it's Aaron Tanty and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back on the Always Moto Podcast. We are meant to be going to a TJ Albright interview, but TJ has been unable to join us this weekend, so we've made a quick switcheroo. Check it out. All right, guys and girls, joining us on the first episode of the 2024 season. He's made a surprise comeback. Uh, I was a bit shocked when I saw his name on the entry list, and I actually reached out to him at short notice. He's filled a gap for us, which is awesome. It's the number 204. He's going to be riding a Canvas MX Yamaha. It's Kyle Greeson. How are we doing, Kyle? Oh, doing not too... Sorry, not doing too bad, man. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing good. You got those words around backwards there, man. I think you're going to say not not doing good. I was like, no, hold on. You are doing good. <laughs> <laughs> yep, doing doing really good, man. Can't complain. Yeah, look, I was like I said in the intro there. I was a bit surprised when I was I was sort of scanning the entry list for a few other things that I was working on, um, and your name sort of just stood out off the page at me, and I was like, hold on, he's back. What's going yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, man. I um. I mean, I think I'd say probably a couple months after my injury last year, I was like, you know, once I started to, once I got the bike, you know, I got myself another bike and then I was like starting to ride a bit. Once I first got on the bike, it was probably, I think it was around six, seven months after my injury. And dude, instantly I was like, man, I, I can't get away from this stuff, man. I, I want to try to put a program together and uh, do some supercross rounds next year. So yeah, put a, put a little program together and uh, we're making it happen. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. One, um, one that you recovered enough to be able to do that, and two, obviously, as for a lot of us, when we get injured that first time back on the bike, it's like the drug kicks back in, and you're like, "Yep, I've got to keep going." One hundred percent, man. I, I, and plus, you know, I've ridden a KTM. I've ridden an Austrian bike pretty much my whole life, man. And I, I was like, you know, what? I got to make a switch for myself, just do something different. And dude, the first day I rode that Yamaha, I was like man, this is, this bike's amazing. Like, and that just added to it, man. I was like, I really want to race just to, <laughs> just to have some fun, man. And just, you know, get back into it. So. Uh, that's awesome to hear. So, so what is the plans then? Like obviously they're about doing supercross. Are we, are we planning on doing the 17? Are we just doing, you know, the, the local sort of California rounds to yourself or what's, what's on the prospects here for the rest of the season? How many are we going to get to? So my plan right now is just the the West Coast rounds, um, whatever ones I can get to, you know, uh, as of right now. You know, obviously I'm going to play by ear. However, the first couple of rounds go, we'll we'll go from there. You know, if I if I'm you know if it goes really good and I I want to try to figure out how to get to all the rounds, you know, I I think I can make it happen. Um, but right now the plan is just the West rounds. You know, just going to those ones, the ones that I can drive to, and just you know, yeah, doing the best I can. Yeah, that. Like as a as a bit of a comeback effort, that's easy for you to do. Being you know you're you're a California boy, um, you know obviously it's easy to drive to a lot of those rounds. They're only within you know a couple of hours each direction, sort of thing. So it's not hard to do that. And 
see how it all plays out and like you said you can work it out from there it's it's a simple thing to do with those that start point for the supercross season isn't it yeah exactly man i mean that anaheim is like 30 minutes from my house so in the you know there's a couple rounds there there's san diego which is only an hour from me uh san francisco is is pretty much my hometown race i grew up about an hour from there so that'll be a cool one to go do and and yeah man so they're all you know there's a lot of them pretty close like phoenix isn't too far so yeah it's pretty easy over here on the west coast i mean the east coast guys i think have it a little rougher because uh you know they're more spread out for sure but yeah i'm excited yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, now let's go back and ask that silly, those silly questions. But like, obviously, the injury was a decent injury. It was a L three burst fracture back there in December twenty twenty two. If I've got my details right there again for the dates and stuff. But are we having any ongoing issues, or has it basically got to a point where you don't even think about it anymore? Uh, no, it, it's. I mean, it bothers me. You know, like I, if I'm doing too much, if I'm like, you know, because working on my bike, stuff like that, just being hunched over and mm-hmm. riding as well. Like the little bumps that like sitting into rhythm sections, like I can feel it and I'll get really sore to where like when I get home, like I can't even like, you know, hunch over to put my socks on. Yep. So it get, it gets really sore, but for, for how bad the injury was, I think I'm in a pretty good spot as far as that goes, you know, like obviously I figured there would be some pain, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to deal with it. But when I'm riding, man, like if I'm rested and I'm riding, I, I hardly notice it while I'm riding. It's afterwards when, when it catches up with me. Yeah, that's, well, from me, from my point of view as the physio listening to that sort of things, it's like you probably just got to the point where like that mid-30s, you know, low back ache has already kicked in for you just probably earlier because of the injury. You know, that whole, you know, bending over to, you know, work on the bike you always end up working on a bike at a shitty level you know it's always down low so you're always bent yep. over um and you always exactly. try to stand up and go oh that, i shouldn't have done that for too long you probably just got there maybe a bit earlier than you you would have liked because of that injury yeah 100 percent. and i mean i don't really have my full range of motion as well um i got an x-ray not that long ago on it just because i wanted to see what it, what it looked like because before that i hadn't seen it since like april yeah. And I was really surprised that it looks, I mean, it looks the same as it did in April. So hmm. it, it, it's not, you know, I think that, I mean, when we took it in April, he's, you know, my, my chiropractor, he was like, I mean, I think that's as healed as it's going to get, you know, um, as far as your injury goes. And yeah, I mean, we x-rayed it not that long ago and it looks the same. Like it still looks really, really gnarly. um the x-ray so i think that was about the last time we spoke was when that x-ray you popped up in april and we both sort of we were saying at that time that yeah it might (laughs) might remodel a tiny bit but you you're not going to notice it for a couple of years sort of thing so yeah obviously that follow-up one you had recently confirms that like that's that's interesting that it doesn't look any different like yeah it's kind of crazy i mean you could see some more uh some more bone growth but it's not you know i figured it would look somewhat normal but man it doesn't even look like any of my other vertebrae so it's pretty <laughs> it, it looks pretty bad but dude for for how bad it looks i'm i'm you, you, you feel know I, I feel opposite? all right yeah so, <laughs> yeah so i mean I, I just think i mean obviously if i took it if i got like an actual mri it would probably show a lot more bone growth but the x-rays is kind of tough to see anyways so 
Yeah. yeah, actually on that, you just made me remember like I've had a big injury recently and I actually had some CT scans and stuff done and they do like a 3D modeling and I and I saw my collarbone in one of them and like my collarbone is overlapped in its rep- repair and it looks gnarly yeah. when they do the 3D, you know, image around it and you sort of, they sort of get on the screen and do like that whole 3D rotation and you're like, man, that doesn't look great at all. But that would be where you would see your... Um, you know, your bone and progress as it's coming through in that in that vertebrae would probably be the best one. But yeah, look, if it's if you feel good, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um when I when I did show the MRI too, I mean this is a positive thing, I think, but it's kind of crazy when I showed the MRI from my original um the original MRI that mm-hmm. I got, yeah. uh, I showed it to my my chiropractor who I work with for uh, all my recovery, you know, he, he's got an x-ray machine. He kind of helps me with my recovery. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, looking at it compared to your other ones. He's like, I don't even know how your nerve is making it through because it shattered and it pushed all my bone into my nerve, like cavity back there. Yep. And it's almost completely closed off. So he's like, I don't know how your nerve is getting through there. I don't know how you're, you know, not having more nerve issues, but he's like, I mean, <laughs> more power to you. You know, if you, if it feels fine, then yeah. So it's kind of crazy, but yeah, I'm pretty thankful, man. I'm really, really grateful that it's uh, doing as good as it is. Yeah, no, 100%. Like obviously those spinal injuries can go really badly um, and be permanent. But yeah, for, for the fact that you're up riding, you know, feeling pretty reasonable in most aspects, that's fantastic news. And the fact that like, like I said, the, the surprise I got when I saw you on the entry list was <laughs> you, you can't imagine my face at that point. I looked at it and went, I know what happened. <laughs> He's here. All right. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's a, it's an awesome yeah. thing you've got to this point, you know, and, and this quickly too, like we're, we're just over a year from, from the injury point. So that's fantastic too. Yeah. I mean, originally, you know, when I did the injury, the original surgeon, told me he's like man you know since we're not doing surgery he's like you probably won't even be able to get into a gym let alone ride you know nine months to a year is what he told me and it was right around the six month mark I think I I was riding and I was already in the gym at like four months so I mean definitely like when I went in for my checkups man that even the you know orthopedic surgeon that I was seeing was like dude, I, I, this is crazy to me that you're even walking in here. Cause he's like, I don't know. Mm. You know, he's like, you never know with these, with these spinal injuries, but he's like, I don't know how you're doing as good as you are, but whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. So yeah, they give you the side eye and they look you up and down and they're like, this doesn't make any sense, but okay, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which, which, you know, a lot of moto guys, I'm sure a lot of, you know, sports people understand that because they, you know, doctors, they always, you know, tell you, advise you not to do anything and, you know, things like that. But if you feel good enough, I feel like, you know, do what you can, right? So, 100%. Yeah, I was having man. this sort of similar conversation the other day about how moto people particularly, we sort of stretch that, um, you know, those time frames to the smallest possible amount. But sports people in general have a different mindset. And when you see those specialists, unless they work with just the sporting population, they are working on a recovery time frame that's of the average population. And obviously when we walk in in the moto brain, our point of view of that is completely different and we just work on a whole different level of how that recovery is going to go, especially if you're motivated to get back to something and you start seeing those gains because you've been working, you know, in a training sense most of your life trying to get little gains, you see it and it progresses you. So obviously when you see it in an injury, it just motivates you more and more. 
But yeah, they just look at it from a point of view of, well, the average population takes 12 weeks for this recovery. You're going to take 12 weeks. And when you walk in at six and go, I'm already doing this, they, they just almost fall off the chair. Oh, yeah, man. And I mean, I, my intentions for this injury was not, was to follow whatever the doctors told mm. me because I was... I was like, man, this is a, this is a pretty, pretty crazy one, right? It's pretty bad. So I'm going to take my time, you know, get back. And I mean, you know, like I said, once I got around the four months, I'm like, man, I, I if I don't do anything, like I'm going to go first of all crazy because I need to get, I need to be doing something, you know, it's how I've always been. I need to be in the gym doing something. So yeah, once I started doing good, I was like, man, I'm going to, you know, try it. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And I just kept doing more and more and more. And yeah, I mean, luckily uh, it, it, was okay so yeah. yeah it's worked out for the better and obviously you've done the right things along the way listening to your body which is awesome now looking ahead yep. to obviously this riding and the and the racing and stuff have you had to make any adjustments to your bike to your gear to sort of accommodate you know maybe protect or accommodate a, the lack of movement that you mentioned before like are you wearing anything differently are you you're changing your setup on your bike for something potentially maybe you know higher bars or something to stand you up straight or anything like that no, actually not. Um, the only, like what, what I noticed, which I think helps me now is my posture has to be perfectly <laughs> straight up and down. Yep. Cause if I'm any hunched over, I get so sore. So I think it helped my, my, uh, form yeah. honestly, because I have to keep my back pretty straight and, and keep it still. Right. If I'm doing any wobbling side to side, which is, you know, not what you want to do on the bike, obviously, yep. um, it, I get sore and I have issues. So yeah, I mean other, you know, I, I think it helped me in a way as far as my form goes. Yeah. I get sore. Yeah. I can't do everything that I could before, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's interesting that that's actually helping you. So I will still be interested to see what you pull up like on Sunday morning after Anaheim one. And if it's as good as it was, you know, in the past when you've done these events or if you actually have a bit more of a, yeah, that took a bit more of a toll sort of feeling on you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm thankful that it's super cross and not uh, outdoors because <laughs> I feel like a day of outdoors, man, I would be feeling it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, look, you got time to build up to that if that that works. If this supercross works out, maybe outdoors you can do a couple of them too later in the year, but see how this goes first and you can work up to all that sort of thing with the fitness and everything. For sure, man. <laughs> uh, all good. Well, look, um Kyle, I appreciate you making some time for us here on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Leap Moto Australia. Hopefully everything goes well with these couple of rounds at Supercross and you just continue to improve and continue to get stronger um ideally you know the the yamaha and and all your canvas gear everything looks smick ready to go for the weekend and uh yeah it can be a positive day at anaheim yeah for sure man i'm gonna have to build for sure i haven't i honestly have probably ridden eight days on supercross uh, this year so yeah it's gonna be a building process i'm not you know no expectations just go out and have fun man and do the best i can that's all i'm you know i have a lot different perspective now um after all this so yeah man just goal is to have fun and, and build yeah sounds good well look we look forward to seeing where it comes to and um yeah we'll, we'll check in again soon appreciate it Carl. i really appreciate you man thank you so much for having me on it's awesome awesome thanks mate hey guys this is grant harlan and this is the always moto podcast
All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto podcast. We're wrapping up here. We're almost done, but we've got some more information to bring to you. There's been some stuff. We've obviously had to record this. I mentioned it earlier in the show. We've record, we record over you know, a bit of a disjointed setup here, but uh, occasionally it works. Occasionally it comes together. This week, obviously, with the bit with TJ that we were trying to set up and we ended up switching over to Kyle Greeson. Um, we waited a bit of time there, but about 20, 48 hours that we were waiting to try and get that sorted out. Didn't end up happening. We'll catch TJ at some point soon, I'm sure. Um, but that's meant that we've got some other information that's come to light since we've recorded those other pieces of the emergency department and, and, and the such. We've got a PR release from uh, Pro Circuit Racing uh, that came through. And it also mentioned about Seth Hamaker being on the East Coast. Now, I hadn't mentioned this earlier, but remember, Seth actually had a bit of a nasty crash at the last round of the Super Motocross Series in LA. Now, I dare say that that move, having him, not necessarily the move, but having him on the East Coast just gives him a little bit more time in terms of he probably missed out a few weeks at the beginning of his preseason. So that would be added on to the end of his preseason by having him move to that East Coast, which will start at the beginning of February. So that's just giving them a little bit more time. Now, also, interestingly, in that same PR from Pro Circuit, they put out the uh, weather for the weekend, which was a new addition this year to those press releases. Temperature and everything's okay. Obviously, it's California in the winter. It's nothing too, too outrageous. What they did note that was during the day, it's going to be fine and sunny. During the evening, there's a chance of rain. So it could be an interesting one if that comes to fruition. But obviously... Weather um, predictions never really happen the way they expect. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, the other press releases that have come out since then, uh, Beta USA has popped out one. Unfortunately, Colt Nichols has gone down with an injury. He's our first big name to be added to the list uh, ahead of Anaheim 1. He's had a shoulder injury. Now, there's no details as such, either from Colt Direct or from uh, Beta USA about what that shoulder injury is. Not going to speculate on what it is at this point. We're going to try and get some more information. We have reached out to Colt. Obviously, we've spoken to Colt when we're in World Supercross in Melbourne. Um, so we do have a relationship with Colt. Hopefully, we'll get back from him shortly and we'll be able to bring you something more on next week's episode. But given the fact that they've already organized a fill-in for uh, Colt, as in John Short is going to come into the Beta USA setup, I would dare say that would be no shorter than a month that he's going to be out, probably somewhere a month to two so it'll be interesting to see when that will actually happen. Now, if there is anything that needs to happen from a shoulder surgery point of view, if he's dislocated a shoulder, if he's torn a rotator cuff, um, torn labrum, those things are in that vicinity of 8 to 12 weeks. So there is a potential that this could mean that he might even miss Supercross. But all this is speculation at this point. So we'll have to wait and see what the rest of that information is going to be once we hear more from uh, him or the team after this weekend's race. Now, Colt is reportedly going to still be at Anaheim in the pits um, for the fan side of things. Obviously not on track, but maybe there'll be some more information that will come from that from there. The other injury that we've seen since then, um, our privateer buddy Bobby Piazza, unfortunately will be out of Supercross potentially for the season. Um, he's reported he had an Achilles tear in October. Now, obviously he's not the same level as Eli Tomac, um, so in terms of rehab and access to the best specialists and treatment teams and all that sort of things might sh lengthen his recovery compared to Eli's, but we're still talking five to six months minimum, which is where Eli was in that vicinity. So that sort of basically puts him at the very end of Supercross. Maybe he gets to the end, of a couple at the end. 
I dare say he doesn't risk it. We might just wait, be waiting to see Bobby again in 2025 Supercross. We'll see how that all plays out. All right, now I'm going to just double-check something here too. I haven't mentioned this yet, um, but the viewing times for the Aussies, obviously the Australian listeners here and other international ones, we use that Super Motocross video pass I spoke about earlier in the podcast. The viewing times for this weekend's race in Australia on the East Coast, now this is obviously exclude you Queenslanders, you're on a weird time schedule up there, but... Everybody else, um, I'm in in New South Wales. So race day live is going to kick off at 6.30 a.m. on Sunday morning. The racing will actually kick off at 11.30 a.m. Sunday morning. So reasonable times to be watching Supercross for us Aussies on the East Coast this year, which is wonderful. Hopefully, obviously, we're not riding as much in the heat at the moment, but it would mean that we, if you're going to have a ride, you're going to have it either um, early over the race day live side of things or it's going to be oh, later in the afternoon once the racing is done. Because obviously at 11.30, it's a three-hour program. It's going to be done by about that 1.30, 2 o'clock. So not a bad time to be watching Supercross. All right. I think that's about it for this show. Episode 91 of the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. Thank you for you guys and girls out there for listening. Don't forget to order those T-shirts to support the show. Email info at alwaysmoto.com. Um, Follow us on the social media platforms to stay up to date with everything. Moto, search Always Moto, follow and subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast feed and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Those two things are going to be going off all year. So make sure you're up to date with those and please share it with your mates so we can get some more people behind us um, and hopefully be able to bring you more and more content. Don't forget to check out our written articles over at fullnoise.com.au. Um, but that's it for another show. Thanks to Elite Moto Australia, Pivot Pegs, Competitive Edge Performance, Slantboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to you guys and girls for listening. Thanks to the wife and kids for letting me get this done. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it will stick. <laughs>